You have arrived at LaughBox, the podcast for the Association of Applied and Therapeutic Humor. We are so excited you're here. Join us for episode 121 with Jim Bob Williams, Katie B, and special guest authorpreneur Gina Ramsey. Yay! Welcome to LaughBox, the official podcast of the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. I'm Jim Bob Williams. And I'm Katie B. And today's guest is the amazing authorpreneur, Gina Ramsey. Woo! <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> All right. Okay. Hello. All right. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, gosh. What do you want to know? I live up in Wisconsin, and we've had a wonderful winter. <laughs> Barely any snow. What yeah. is it about Wisconsin? A lot of funny people are based in Wisconsin. Oh, Chiplets, I don't know. And there's, there's a lot of, like, murder things here, too, in Wisconsin. So I don't <laughs> Not as much as Illinois, or not Illinois, um, Florida, but <laughs> we have some of the notorious up here. Yeah, I don't know. Wisconsin is fun. It's maybe it's the cheese, and that's my cat. I really apologize, but you're gonna hear from him. Well, it wouldn't be a Zoom call without a cat. So. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with the cat, and there's nothing wrong with the cheese. No, and there certainly is nothing wrong with the Wisconsin Dells and the Circus Museum. Circus, circus. Yep. Life is a circus, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> most assuredly. Okay, so you've got a new book called Burnt Glove Box. That's the most original title for a book I've ever heard. Okay. So how did the glove box get burnt? Oh, yeah. So that's a true story. So I had all these things that would happen. Murphy's Law situations, mm -hmm. poor life decisions, all these things. And people would say you should write a book because I had all these stories that would happen. If it'll happen, it'll happen to our family. And so I had planned on writing a book. I'm like, I got to do this. This would be so much fun. And then the day that the glove box burnt up was the day I said, that's the title for my book. That That's it. That, that burnt charred glove box door encompassed all the stories of craziness. We went to a conference, a basketball like competition thing for our, for our son. And we were fashionably late as always. And we found that when we came back out to the car, that the car was filled with smoke, just this petroleum, like plastic smell and couldn't find where it was coming from. And eventually we did find where it came from. And it was, I had brought a little concave mirror with me to put my makeup on because we were fashionably late. So I was putting that on the way to the conference and I had it situated on the floor of the car just so. And the way we had our car parked, the sun was coming in just right that it was bouncing the sunbeam off of the mirror onto the glove box and burning and burnt a hole into it. And it's so funny because the, I have a picture of the chart. I was, I wanted to use that picture for the cover, but I, I prefer the chicken now, but it looks like a little like toy soldier army guy hunched down with his rifle. <laughs> <laughs> what an amazing story. What a bunch of happenstance to happen at the same time to bring you to that point. Wow. Oh yeah. And that was when I typed up all my titles yeah. right after I mean, that a, happened. A lot of authors suffer for their art, but very few set their glove box on fire for their art. Oh, yeah, it was really interesting. So you grew up in the Chicago suburbs, but got somehow ended up in rural Wisconsin. 
Yes. 70 miles from Madison? Yep. Yep. Yeah, we kept saying we were going to move to Florida, which oddly enough, we talked about Florida earlier in this meeting today. But we kept moving further and further north. But yeah, we landed originally about 70 miles north of Madison. So, and like we were city folk and we were like in the most, like there was a bar and a post office and like a couple of churches that was in cornfields, lots of cornfields. So talk about culture shock. (laughs) (laughs) I I totally relate. I moved from Brooklyn, New York to West Virginia. And I also help other writers. I attended the Irma Bombeck conference, the -hmm. virtual conference a couple of years ago. And a bunch of us on there, you know, a bunch of people said, this would be great to have like our own little support group, not support group, but like little writers group as kind of support group (laughs) (laughs) sometimes. (laughs) And three of us, myself, a woman from California and then a lady from Florida, the three of us decided we were going to head up the, what's called the Germinators Humor Writers Network. And so it's for people who have attended the Irma Bombeck conference. And in addition to that, I help other writers. I'm going to be hosting a writers and author little conference, mini conference this, this Saturday for authors and aspiring authors who want to learn about like the different ways to publish and how do you market your book? Like all those questions that when you, when you start this journey, okay, I can write a book, but then what, right? (laughs) Where do I go from there? (laughs) That's going to answer those questions for those people. So we have several people coming to that. I just really I, I've dived into all of it and I've just loved the writer's community and especially humor community. I do love the nonfiction, the memoir as well. That's harder for me to write. You got to dig deep for that. So like, <laughs> what's to do that when you can have fun, right? <laughs> so yeah, I do all the things author. So just help people answer questions for them about my journey and hopefully to help them along theirs. So can I ask you, I'm a, I'm a big Ethel Merman fan and I'm seeing yeah. something about you sing as oh, yeah. well. Yeah. Can we have a sample? Of Ethel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> sure thing. If you if you can tolerate my singing. All right. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> There's no business like show business. There's no business I know. <laughs> Yay! Thank you. Oh, so amazing. I learned that when I was in eighth grade. I you rode did? the bus with this young, this gal that was younger than me. I think she was in seventh grade and how she knew who Ethel Merman was either one of us. I, I didn't know who she was, but she did these impersonations. She did that one. She did Fred Flintstone, Yogi Bear. I'm like, oh, you have to teach me your skill. <laughs> and wow. I learned it and here I am. <laughs> wow. All right. All right. You should get into voice acting. Okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> voiceovers you can do ever merman you can learn others i think you'd be awesome (laughs) (laughs) thank you we could do a duet i i'm a fan of ethel's voice as well that's awesome (laughs) that's awesome well it's funny because i'm I'm starting a podcast with a girlfriend 
And um, we worked together 30 years ago. And when we first met, she's freaking hilarious. I always told her she could be on Saturday Night Live. That funny. And so we're getting to know each other. And I told her about my Ethel Merman thing. And she goes, you do Ethel? I do Ethel. (laughs) We need an Ethel choir. We do. That would be fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) So what was life like before you turned into author who you are today? Oh, it's still the same. Like, so I've always had the sense of humor thing. I I think I got that from my dad. My dad was so funny and um, he may not have thought so, but (laughs) he always had like this look on life and joking around about things or seeing the brighter side of things. And so... I think he modeled that, like I picked that up from him and my brother is very much the same. And so, but I, I became a social worker by trade and I'm still doing that and doing all the things. And so you watch Shark Tank, any entrepreneur is like, they hustle. It is what it is. I have some people, I'm so worried about you. I'm worried about your wellness and your your health. Aren't you doing too much? Well, the Shark Tank people are doing it, so I am. (laughs) I feel you. I feel you. (laughs) A lot going on back here. I know it looks a little chaotic. I mean, it's true. There's a lot going on back there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm still a social worker by trade, but, but I just found this love for, I didn't, I never thought that I would find the love for writing like I did Mm -hmm. and the craft of it. And my undergraduate was in graphic design. So I was in the artsy fartsy type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And what I found is that writing is is like doing artwork, but your canvas is like, you're creating that picture for your reader. That's the dog. Sorry about that. <laughs> this is my life. Um, Perfect. Didn't hear yeah, it. Th- I love the writing community. And, and the thing that I learned when you start doing something new, it can be very vulnerable and especially with writing. And so when I asked my publisher, if she would take a look at what I have. She was like, sure, I'll, I'll take a look, send me this and this and this. So I did. And then she said, I'll send, set up a meeting with you after I read what you've got and let you know if this is a good fit. And so that was the most vulnerable way I've ever felt in my life, because I thought that what she would say, the first words that would come out of her mouth is never pick up a pen again. <laughs> you are not funny. <laughs> These stories, you might think these stories are funny, but no one else is going to think these stories are funny. But that was not her reaction. Like she was laughing when we got on the call and she said, I had to reread a couple of these stories because they were, I was laughing over my breakfast. She loves the poultry geist story. I don't know if you guys have, have read it yet. That's her favorite. And, and to have her say, you're real natural at this. And I'm like, am I though? Cause I've never had any training and writing. Like I just did it. Yeah, I don't know if I answered your question, but yeah, I am still doing all the things and hopefully at some point, some juncture, I'll be able to just write and keep bringing joy to the world through that. But in the meantime, I'm helping people in other ways as well. I want to thank yeah. you for your work as a social worker. Yeah. Thank you. I don't know if people appreciate how tough it is to be a social worker. Yeah, I I enjoy it very much, but I like writing a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wink, wink. <laughs> okay, you 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 uh, adopted the rubber chicken as a mascot of sorts. Tell us, tell why chickens. Well, it's crazy. Like how everything kind of weaved together the way it did. I j I'm still stunned by it. <laughs> But years ago, I worked at a, a women's shelter and myself and a couple of ladies, we went to a conference and they brought the people who hosted this conference, brought a bunch of little toys and put them on the table for us kinesthetic learners. And we found a rubber chicken. And it just so happened that when you squeeze the rubber chicken, this goiter would pop out of its side of its neck. And we were laughing hysterically. Like we could not control ourselves. We we're like, oh my gosh. So then we, the three of us got into this like rubber chicken. So my little guy right here, I know your ears can't see him, but this little guy, I've had him for years. One of the coworkers bought that for me and the other one. So our uh, former co co-workers. So anyways, um, so I've had him for years. And so I went for my, my photo shoot for, because you have to have a professional photo shoot for your author right. page. Also, you don't look like you're a bunch of pixelated things on the thing. So I went for my photo shoot. My oldest daughter went with me and we just brought props. So we just grabbed stuff from my house and we're like, okay, this might work. This might work. And we had, a, I had a great photographer and Joanne, she's from Superior here and she was very creative. And so they're like, stick the chicken in her pocket and let's do some shots that way. And so that was the hit. That was the picture everybody absolutely loved. And I just said, the rubber chicken is it. And the look on his face, though, <laughs> how I look when these things happen to me. So it just, just came together very well. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is my husband and I, we watch Sven Gulli every week. And he's he's got a thing on rubber chickens, too. So, Berwin. <laughs> well, and do you have something on your website saying that your your husband is a former poultry whisperer? Yes. King of the flock. Can you say more about that? Oh, yeah. So that is from the poultry guy story. So when we moved to this rural area in Wisconsin, my husband had his own drywall business and he would go to people's houses to do their drywall. And many of them had like animals. <laughs> <laughs> and so he would go and he would see an animal and he'd come home and say, I want to have that kind of animal. So it started with a rabbit. So mm -hmm. and I said, because it falls on me, all the care and responsibility yeah. for these things falls on me. So he wanted a rabbit. I want a bunny. I want a bunny. Like a kid, like with the candy. I don't even know. It was crazy. So I said, I'll think about it. Don't bring anything home until we've examined this a little more. No, I came home and there was a box on the table and this bunny with the ears going around. So he went to another house and the guy had turkeys. And so he had this bright idea, we're going to raise turkeys. And his uncle John had been a turkey farmer, like turkey raiser, whatever their title is, mm -hmm. like officially years prior. So the only knowledge Paul had of raising turkeys was the conversations over Thanksgiving dinner about uncle John's turkeys. And so it was... I, he wanted to raise these things. Then a friend of his wanted us to raise more of them because he was having someone raise pigs for him. And so we we're going to fill each other's freezers with turkey and, and pig. 
And it was a disaster. It was a complete disaster. People are like, how are you still married? I don't know. We just, we go with the flow. (laughs) We go with the flow. So these turkeys ended up loving him. He was a God to them. They would follow him everywhere. And they hated me and the kids and anybody else who came onto our property. And so they would torment us. They would the one would like go at my son with his spurs while he's playing with his trucks so he can play with his trucks in the yard. Mm. Oh my gosh, it was crazy. So yeah, so he was the whisperer. They would go off our property and our, get down to our neighbor's house like a quarter of the mile down the road and neighbor would call and say, your turkeys are on my property. Get down here and get them. So mm. Paul would walk down the driveway and then he walked down the road a little and then they'd all see him with their little beady eyes and they're like, oh, there's mama. We're going to follow <laughs> And here he's like the Pied Piper taking the turkeys down the street, following them in suit. Crazy. Yeah, that's a love advice. Find someone who'll look at you the way turkeys look at your husband. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And with the uncle, did the turkey end up on the Thanksgiving table too? No, it was a complete disaster. I I don't even have, like we had all of these turkeys and then your the listeners have to read the book, but like yes. he, then he ended up getting, so the pig that was so the so-called pig that was being raised for us, yeah. we ended up with the pig on our property. Like yeah. we were the, raising the our pig. The saga of pig pig is one of the- Yeah, names. pig pig, yeah. yeah. And then pig pig started killing the turkeys. Yeah, which was like great for me. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I really like you a lot. <laughs> it sounds like the ultimate Thanksgiving day cage matches, you know, pig versus turkey. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh. Yeah, oh crazy. man. Yeah, you yeah. you do have some mishap stories. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's just it's never ending. <laughs> but it's good. <laughs> it's good though because I can like look at not in the moment sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But I can take a step back and look at these things with a funny lens yeah. and go, "Holy cow, that is crazy how that happened." Yeah. And it like makes great stories. It's yeah, great it was- material. It was a Carol Burnett that said, uh, humor is comedy plus time. And yeah, yeah when you can yeah. go back and you can look at it through a, a humorous lens later, maybe not in the moment. How did your children and your husband feel about being part of your book? Are they They loved it. Okay. They absolutely loved it. He, I would write, I started writing during the pandemic, oddly mm-hmm. enough, because I don't have enough stuff on my plate, but I met a bunch of women entrepreneurs and many of them are writers. And so they cued into what it, cause we own a business too. So that's how I got into this group. We got this business and oh, I'm doing all this stuff. And they they cued into, she wants to write. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to help her achieve that. One of my friends told me about NaNoWriMo and I said, well, yeah. how much does it cost? What does it involve? She just set goals. And I thought, well, might as well. So that's what I started in. 2021 writing. So it was great because I started writing the stories. I would read them to my husband because he was like there when much of this is happening. And so he was great. Like he doesn't think he's good at this stuff, but he's like great editing. Likewise, that doesn't sound like, like maybe phrase it this way. And so he helped through that process, read it to the kids. The kids love it. I mean, the kids tell the stories too. 
I think the beautiful thing is, is that not only are my stories bringing joy to people in our world, and that was my main goal. If I can make one person smile or bring happiness to someone's heart, like I've achieved so many things. And, but the other thing too, is leaving that legacy for my family, for my kids and my grandson, they'll always have this, right? It's special on so many different levels, but the kids love it. They're, they giggled the whole time they read the book. I knew my oldest daughter, she's very well-worded just with writing and articulate and speaking and all of that, which I am not. And, um, I gave her the draft, like once it was done, I'm like, okay. And she's reading and I'm watching her and she's kind of giggling. And she told me, she's like, mom, you did such a fantastic job with this. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Okay. I got the pleased (laughs) response from the oldest. So (laughs) I know it was done well. (laughs) Don't go away. We're just stopping for a station break. Stay with us, have a giggle, and we'll be right back. Are you a sponsor who would like to sponsor the Laugh Box podcast that's been around for the past two and a half years? Jim Bob and Katie B are looking for sponsors that could support the Association of Applied and Therapeutic Humor podcast. Jim Bob, why don't you tell us about AATH? AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor, is dedicated to finding the applications of humor to help solve life's problems. And Jim Bob, did you know that AATH is actually made up of all volunteers? It's amazing. Are you tired of the same lame speakers coming to your organization and making people fall asleep over coffee? What you need is a presentation on therapeutic humor. And Katie B and I just happen to know two excellent presenters. You could have Katie B. You could have Jim Bob. You could have us both. And we'll talk to your organization about the application of humor and how to make your life better. And that's going to be a whole lot better than watching people fall asleep in their coffee. So take down this number. Seven. Just want you to have it. And then take down this number. 304-610-7970. Call us today. Operators are standing by. Some of them are standing on their heads. And now back to our Laugh Box podcast. So tell us about the the business of being an author. I mean, most people think the hard part is writing the book, but that's step one or maybe step step 0.5 in the the journey before uh, seeing it in print. Yeah, I think that I I found out and I knew this like right off the bat. Um, When you write a book that like you said, that's step one. Now it's marketing the book, but you can't just put it on a bookshelf and expect people to find it or find you. And you have to get out there. It's a people business. You have to get out there and you have to meet your audience. You have to meet those readers who, you know, like they have their own stories that they want to share with you when they come to get their book signed. I read this a lot in like writers groups and author groups that I had this publisher and they only did this for me for marketing and shouldn't they have done more? And my answers to that always is no, it's not your publisher's job to they can't get people to know you like you can get people to know you. And I've gotten a lot of, I'm an introvert. So am I. (laughs) 
but this is your territory. You've chosen to do this. And so it's getting, it's, it's a relationship business. And I don't, I, you know, publishers can do certain things, but they can't hit the pavement running. They can't hit your community. My publisher's out in Baltimore. She's not going to come to Wisconsin and go to events and say, Hey, Gina Ramsey's out there. (laughs) You should check her out. Okay, so where have you gone on the book tour? Oh my gosh, all over the place. So I have gone to our local library here. I have gone to little shops, coordinated with little shops, like for Thanksgiving, like the day after Thanksgiving, I went to one of our little shops where people were coming in and getting their books signed. And then it was kind of like a win-win. Like they were either coming there to see me and then they'd buy something from the store, vice versa. I've been to breweries down in central Wisconsin, where, you know, some of the Stevens Point, Wisconsin, where some of the stories happen. I've gone all the way down to Adam's Friendship, which is where the turkey stories and all that happen. I coordinated with an owner of a bookstore down there, and she, you know, created a little lovely space for me and invited people to come. So yeah, I just think outside the box. And you have to, you can't just go, I'm just going to go to bookstores, like, it's really thinking outside. I, I had a huge response at the brewery and I had a whole bunch of my friends and family that showed up at that. And I said, I need an entourage is what I need because people were like, who are all these people that are with you? What is this going on over here? And I'm like, oh, this is what I need. <laughs> I need lots of people. <laughs> so yeah, I just keep an open mind and uh, I've done press releases. I've been on the news up here and yeah, radio shows whatnot. So on your website, just to support your work, people can book you to do what you're doing here with us. Yeah. But you also have four topics you speak on, which is finding the funny in life's mishap. And then what I like about in addition to this statement, you have the positive impacts of humor on health and wellness. And we can talk more about that because we talk about that all the time on this show. Step step setting goals and achieving your dreams wonderful like coaching your journey into writing and publishing a book while keeping your day job and juggling life awesome you're talking about that now but it's also other people trying to do that you can help them out the no like and trust factor the importance of connecting with others to achieve success i want to come back to that and thinking outside the box creative options to launch and sell your book can we talk about the no like and trust factor yeah. It's exactly what we were just mentioning just now. You and have that's to get... a, that's no K N O W, not N O. Not no. <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> yes. No like and trust. No, no, no. No <laughs> trust. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. Yeah. It's getting in front of your in front of your people, in front of in front of people who may not even know that you exist. And again, it's a relationship business. And a lot of a lot of businesses through like entrepreneurship that's what it is i i go back to shark tank a lot you you watch some of these people that get on there and they've just got such great personalities they've got a good pitch maybe they don't have the greatest product but they've got such a great likable personality a likable demeanor about them versus people who go up there and think they're all that in a nutshell and they talk to the sharks like they're they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. That's what I do talk to a lot of authors or aspiring authors about is getting in front of your people. And don't say, so we'll go back to the no, don't say no to opportunities. Mm-hmm. I reached out to 
where I, the University of Green, Wisconsin, Green Bay, where I got my master's degree and said, hey, I wrote a book. I graduated from your university. Do you have any opportunities? I was hoping... <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping that they would put me in a theater and I could go and do yeah. book sales and, and talk to people about these different things. But they didn't have that opportunity, but they did have an opportunity for me to teach a class to adult learners about how to write humor. Whoa. And so I'll be doing that next month for four weeks in a row. And I didn't say no to it. Because you just don't know. And not unless it feels really icky. There's some <laughs> things that like, yeah, this is probably not a great option. But most opportunities that people present to me, I, I go with it. Because you just don't know what door that's going to open. No like and trust. Yeah, that's great. I love it. Love it, love it. And trust the universe a little bit, right? Absolutely. As long as it feels good, so you go in and then those opportunities, you never know what can come from just take, saying yes to that first one. Absolutely. Very nice. Okay. So one question I have here is you said you've been to the, or you, you attended the Irma Bombeck conference virtually. Yes. Okay. And you're going to be going to the Irma Bombeck. Okay. Okay. For the those in our audience who may not have heard of Irma Bombeck, can you give a background on Irma and on the Writers' Conference in particular? Yeah, so the Writers' Conference is pretty new to me. Irma Bombeck is the person of humor writing, really up my alley. You look at life scenarios, kind of like Seinfeld. You look at these ordinary things in life, and it's like, oh, well, that's odd that happened that yeah. way. She was and observational humor so before. She was observational. Humor yeah, she was observational. And, you know, um, just such, like, she has, she has power, I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Um, she's well known in the humor writers industry. And so many people I talk to, oh, I love Irma Bombeck. You know, your writing reminds me of Irma Bombeck. So, you know, I just started, like, dinking around humor writers things that's how i found you guys anything that that can deal with like the hu humor writing realm i i looked into to see what opportunities were there and so they did have it was a live conference as well it was the first time i think that they maybe it was the second time that they did it virtual i couldn't attend virtual or live the first time but this year I'm going to be attending live and I've heard it's just phenomenal. Just filled. The room is filled with like really good writing, humor, mm -hmm. writing people. And so I'm really looking forward to that opportunity to meeting the different folks that attend that. Irma Bombeck. There was always an Irma Bombeck book lying around my house somewhere. When I was oh my gosh. Up. I got them right behind me. Oh my, I got them on my shelf here. Yeah. Irma's yeah. great. Yeah, that, that was my introduction to Irma. Yeah, uh, I, I could. I, I, Katie, go ahead. Okay, so the our audience is audio; they can't see, but I'm seeing you in a little wooden cabin. I'm get it's what it looks like, with Saint Thomas, Benedict's, like all these islands, Munich, Mustang, Mount Multi, something behind you. I can't read. <laughs> cast, <laughs> cast away. I'm making things up because it's a little bit hard to read, but can yeah. you tell us about the space that you're in right now? Yeah. So this is a screen and I found it online on like Wayfair or something. And I'm like, I, I'm not paying that amount. And then 
I'm like, I love that screen though. Maybe I will buy it. And then I found somebody who was actually like had bought it and didn't like it. And so I got it for cheaper. So um, wonderful, wonderful Marco marketplace. Love it. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So you say screen, but you mean like as if it was an Asian, an Asian room separator, yeah. an Asian screen like that. Yeah. So this is that's what this is it's a two-dimensional piece yeah. behind you I for yeah. a minute I thought you were talking it was a virtual screen but yeah. I'm seeing your book in there so I'm yeah. like did you change it so yeah. <laughs> that's extra cool so it's okay go on yeah that's cool keep keep so talking. I so I painted these things I we love to travel this oh I'm gonna do a plug for and I'm knocking stuff around. Dave Fox, getting lost. He's a humor writer too. He's amazing. Love to travel. And I'm all about bucket lists. Write your buckets, bucket list people. Like, even if you don't want to call it a bucket list, if it's your to-do list, whatever, life is way too short. Hence the reason why I wrote the book when I did. But these are all places that I wanted to go to and had to go to, went to them. And I painted all of these. Whoa. So yeah. Very um, nice. But my biggest one, I don't know if you can see that one, Lauterbrunn in Switzerland. That, that was the reason why I couldn't go to Irma Live a couple of years ago, because my daughter took me to Lauterbrunn, which is in, in the Swiss Alps Valley of the Swiss Alps. Cats. Sounds amazing. So, yeah. so what they look like. So, so you have this wooden panel behind you. Yeah. And what it looks like is when you travel and you see those sticks with all the arrows that tell you where, how far away each city is. Yeah. You have those plastered all on the wooden panels. It's just yes. beautiful. Thank you. And then your favorite books are on shelves in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. And those were supposed to go on that stick. And I kept getting the, yeah, 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 from my husband. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah, we, and I was like, I bought the screen. I'm like, I'm going to just put them on there. <laughs> nice. Well, it really, it makes for a wonderful background. Thank so that you. the day that we go video cool. with this podcast, yeah. it's a wonderful background. So Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And quite a talking point, you know. Yeah. And so what's the funniest trip you took that's on that on your oh background my there, gosh. one of the signs. Oh my gosh, my funniest. I would say, oh gosh, Munich was was one. Munich and I don't know, there's so many funny stories. Because a trip, you're always going to have crazy stuff that happens on a trip. Key West, the last time we went to Key West, the trip home was crazy. I almost burnt down a, a lovely, very, very, very old hotel in Lauterbrunnen <laughs> with my flat iron. Okay, um, you can say more about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my daughter. Oh, so have you guys seen the movie Just Married with Ashton Kutcher? No. Okay. Oh, no. Okay, so there's a scene in there where he plugs an electrical appliance into the wall. I won't say what it is. But they're in a French hotel and it's in a castle and he didn't use an adapter and like they, you know, this hotel started smoking and they, they short circuited the electricity. Mm -hmm. Well, it was kind of that, <laughs> but I used the adapter, but I didn't know that there were, I really tried doing my research before we went and, um, but there's two different types of adapters, people, when you go <laughs> to Switzerland <laughs> One is for appliances 
And when I think appliance, I'm thinking washers and dryers, right? I'm not thinking. And then the other one is for general stuff like your cell phone. So the adapter I used was not for appliance or was not for appliances and a flat iron Mm. is an appliance. And the night before this happened, the, the fire alarm went off in our hotel and like people were going in the hallways. There's no elevator in this place. It's staircases. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, okay, and we're on the third floor. So we'll burn if we don't get out of here, if there is a fire, but there ended up being nothing. So the next day I plugged my flat iron in and my daughter and I are getting ready and I walked over and I hear this, and then I hear this pop, really loud pop and the smell of electric. I pulled it, I pulled the plug out. I'm standing there and this thing is like smoking and I'm standing under the smoke (laughs) my daughter's like get it out from under the smoke alarm so I run out we had a balcony I go out there and luckily the railing was like metal so I just set it on there and I'm watching it because I'm like is it gonna go on fire like what's gonna happen here and the neighbor comes out on her porch and she's like hey she peeks around she goes hey hey how you doing and I said good and she goes do you smell something burning? She's like, cause that smoke alarm went off last night, that fire alarm. And I smell something burning. I said, yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Completely oh. short circuited the thing. I had to wrap it in the garbage can bag before we checked out of the hotel because it smelled so bad even oh. days after. Wow. Yeah. That, and yeah, all I could ele- think of was the scene in that movie. Like what are the chances? Right, and formaldehyde i find that's the smell of the plastic burning smells like formaldehyde from dissecting animals in high school it's like a smell you'll never forget it's still in my nose yeah right that's a good story yeah yeah Yeah. fire seems to have a recurring theme in your stories here oh yeah yeah And then the second story I would say is when, and this will be in the second book, but it's when I um, traveled to Europe with the college class and a friend of mine and myself, we decided to stay three days extra. We were going to go to Salzburg and we're trying to, we're, we did not pay attention to the professors while we were traveling with them as far as how to navigate And so we were in Munich and we were trying to get back to our pension so we could pick up our luggage. We were at the train station getting our tickets to go to Salzburg and like there weren't a lot of people that spoke English and we're trying to figure it out, trying to figure out, we go upstairs, there's a big bus. Like when I say go upstairs, like we're down in the subway area and then you can take an escalator up and you're up on the main street. So there's a bus driver standing outside this bus and I went over by him and I'm telling him in, I, and I kept getting louder and louder, but I kept telling him Universistat and he's staring at me and I said, Universistat <laughs> and he's just staring at me and he's shaking his head. Like, I have no idea what you're saying to me. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And my friend is freaking out. And I'm like, we're going to go back down into the subway. We will find somebody. We'll figure this out. So anyways, 
long story short, I took a German class after the fact that I went to Germany, which probably mm -hmm. wasn't the best. Take the class before you go, people. <laughs> <You're old. laughs> I was telling the German teacher, so I'm telling the story, right? And the whole class is there. Our, the teacher I had, he had this, this way of like, when you spoke in German, he had this big whiteboard and he would draw a picture of what you were saying, just uh -huh. to kind of either humiliate you or... <laughs> Uh -huh. or let you know how ridiculous you sounded. So I'm explaining the story. And I said, uh, you know, what I was saying, universe of stat, like we, and that was the university centers where we were mm -hmm. near. That's where we needed to be dropped off. And as I was speaking this, he drew the big state of Texas. <laughs> and he said, and I, and you know, you think that like, okay, this person can't speak English. So if you talk louder, they'll understand you. Right. <laughs> so I'm screaming this at this bus driver. So the, the German teacher draws the state of Texas really big. And he said, you were saying the big state, you were screaming at that <laughs> bus driver, the big state, the big state. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's me. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. We made it, but <laughs> we found the one who spoke English. <laughs> so you you dropped you dropped you dropped a thing about the next book. Yeah. yeah. When's that coming out? Yeah. yeah, what's that? Tell us. I, I don't have the date, but it is the second half to the first book. Mm -hmm. So I learned a little something about writing and um, what each genre has like a specific amount of pages that should mm -hmm. be in there. And so my publisher said, we're going to have to split this into two. And I'm like, okay, that'll work. So <laughs> the second book will come out this year. And... um super excited because I have five stories from five, you know, from other people in there, their burnt club box stories. And then we're going to turn it into an anthology. So it's going to be similar to chicken soup for the soul. Oh. Oddly enough, the chicken comes in again, right? <laughs> yeah. Although you don't want chicken soup with rubber chickens. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the first anthology is going to be animal stories. So people will be able to submit whether it's pets, zoo animals, farm animals, wildlife, any kind of animal stories. So we're going to start with that one. And I have a whole list of anthologies I would like oh, to do. How beautiful. Oh, my gosh. So can you take us through your publishing journey? Like finding a publisher, was that easy for you? Uh, I, I'm assuming you wrote the book already and then started yeah. looking for publishers. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I was, you guys, I was really fortunate. I mean, I, I read about Stephen King and JK Rowling and how like they got denial after denial after denial. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like mm -hmm. I was so lucky. People were put into my path and I truly mm -hmm. believe this at the right time when I needed to do this to where I wouldn't panic because I panic a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like like all the things were working for me. <laughs> but in that entrepreneur group that I'm part of, my publisher is in my chapter. Whoa. And so, and there's several, like there's a publisher in there that helps people that self-publish. There's other publishers across our other chapters. 
So I don't know, somehow I felt drawn to Debbie and I thought I'm going to ask her if she's willing to take a look and it turned out good. And so I didn't, I feel very fortunate that I didn't have that negative experience that a lot of people have with getting those rejection letters. Cause that's got to feel so like horrible, but yeah, that's, I kind of walked into it and congratulations history. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank it's you. meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. You are, you are meant to be writing chicken anthologies and <laughs> burning, burning anthologies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Okay, well, I have a question that uh, I always ask our guests here, and you've learned a lot about humor along the way uh, before beginning formal studies of it. So what do you want your readers to know and do on any given Thursday when they find that their glove box is burning or yeah. their their turkeys have wandered down the road or, you know, they, you know. Yeah. Take a step back. Like in the moment, a lot of these stories in the moment, I was like either traumatized or... No. Yeah. <laughs> or angry, <laughs> wanted to cry. So like embrace those emotions because you're going to have those with given cir circumstances in life. But really like taking a few deep breaths, taking a step back and, you know, first of all, like being thankful every day for something. Feel wake up and have some gratitude for something. You woke up. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a start, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I did some studies in humor therapy. And so in doing some of my research, it says that like, if you have gratitude, it doesn't leave a lot of room for negativity. And so waking up with that gratitude, but you experience this crazy, maybe crappy situation it happened, but then taking a step back and going, okay, what was funny about that? Or like, what were some of the quirky pieces of that story that happened. And, you know, I'm finding a lot, I, I, you know, chicken soup for the soul is like more inspirational stories. Right. Um, but I find when I go out to these events, I have people telling me, Oh my gosh, like you wouldn't believe this story that happened to me or this story I read <laughs> reminded me of this story that I experienced. And I've, I've had a lot of people say that it's really reading my stories really gives a different perspective in looking at the brighter side of things, the positives. And I think that's what I would encourage people to do on Thursday and any day, <laughs> all days of the week. So yes. And, and can you give people ways to find you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Come to Wisconsin. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go to Madison, turn left. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, so my website is www.ginaramseyauthor.com. And then I'm also on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm a little bit on X, but I'm I'm kind of indifferent to that. And pretty soon I'm I will be doing a podcast as well with with my mm -hmm. girlfriend Debbie. And that's going to be called Laugh Lines and Turbulence. And it's for women who um, are in their 50s and above who have given their whole lives to others in servitude to others. And they're finally reaching out for their own dreams and and finding the funny in those things. So yeah, so that's going to be a lot of fun. So that that little Facebook page just launched. So it's just got the logo. 
Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> we'll Excellent. get there. We'll Excellent. get there. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Beautiful. Love it. All right. Anything, any last tidbits that you'd like to share of your wisdom and knowledge and experience and something <laughs> funny or whatever that you might like to share? Oh, I just thought how we kind of like ended the last, you know, question, like just try to find the funny in life. And, you know, not everything's going to be funny. There are some tragic things that happen in people's lives that you're not going to find the funny in it, but find a positive. You know, you're breathing, your 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 family, your friends, your pet, whatever. Find find some positive. And I just want to thank your listeners for for tuning in. I I really appreciate you listening. And hopefully you listen to the end now <laughs> and then just shut it off at Ethel Merman. <laughs> oh oh no, sing, they wouldn't do that. <laughs> no, not our people. <laughs> So thank you for listening through the whole thing. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Because if you got this far, whoa, thank you. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> You've accomplished something in life. <laughs> All right. Jim Bob. All right. This has been Laugh Box with Gina Ramsey, author of Burnt Glove Boxes, Embracing Life When It Goes Up in Flames. You can reach her through GinaRamseyAuthor.com and all Facebook and other social media. And uh, be sure to look for her next book, which is coming out this year. Again, so on behalf of the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor, I'm Jim Bob Williams. I'm Katie B. All right. Thank you, Gina. Appreciate this. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for episode 121 with Jim Bob Williams, Katie B, and Gina Ramsey. Thank you very much. Laugh Box is a production of the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Visit us online at www.aath.org. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Music by Gary Rubio. For more information, www.garyrubiomusic.com.